We have two scripture readings this morning, Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 8, and then 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. Going to be, we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper, and uh, we're going to be looking at the Lord's Supper and its meaning, or at least part of its meaning, in our sermon this morning. So the Old Testament reading in Deuteronomy 16 has to do with the Passover. Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 8. And the point that we're going to be especially focusing on this morning is the idea of a memorial and the language here in this section concerning memorial that the people to whom this was originally addressed were not the same people that actually came out of the land of Egypt. They were the next generation. But listen to the way in which the Lord addresses them in this passage. Observe the month of Abib and keep the, the Passover of the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, your, the, the, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. And you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock or the herd at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat no unleavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. No leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of the flesh that you sacrifice on the evening of the first day remain all night until morning. You may not offer the Passover sacrifice within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, but at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell in it, there you shall offer the Passover sacrifice in the evening at sunset at the time you came out of Egypt. And you shall cook it and eat it at the place that the Lord your God will choose. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. For six days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. Then we will read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. 1 Corinthians eleven, twenty-three. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of the Lord. It's been quite a while since we celebrated the Lord's Supper, and because we can't all be together in one worship service, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper 
during both the morning and evening worship services today. And I thought it would be nice to preach about the Lord's Supper at each service as well. Years ago, when we uh, moved to celebrating the Lord's Supper on a monthly basis, and I, I preached six sermons on the Lord's Supper at that time, but since then, not been much directly about the Lord's Supper, so I thought it would be good to to take a little deeper look at at least some aspects of the sacrament today. What I'm going to do is to summarize one of the themes of the meaning of the Lord's Supper, and this morning it will be the theme of remembrance. The Lord's Supper has many different aspects to it that make it a very rich part of our worship, and it's easy for us to focus only on a few of these themes as we celebrate the Lord's Supper while perhaps ignoring or neglecting others. And one of the wonderful things about anything having to do with God and our relationship with God is that there is simplicity so that everyone can understand the, the essential message, and yet there is a breadth and a depth so that there is always more to learn, always more to appreciate and to enjoy. And part of the delightful calling that we have as believers is to grow in the knowledge and enjoyment of God, which includes growing in our knowledge and enjoyment of everything having to do with him. So our focus this morning is on the fact that the Lord's Supper is a memorial. It is about remembering. It's about remembering Jesus as the one who gives himself to us as the crucified and risen Savior. When he instituted the supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me. We remember that he gave his life for us. The symbols of the Lord's Supper point to his death on the cross. We remember his broken body. We remember his shed blood. But we do not remember him as someone who is still dead. If Jesus had remained dead, the Lord's Supper would be a waste of time. It would be like a funeral. And all we could do is remember Jesus as someone who was a fraud, which there would be no point of doing. Jesus' death, apart from his resurrection, would be no different than any other death, except it would be more pathetic because of his claims. At the Lord's Supper, we remember Jesus' death in the light of his resurrection. We remember him as the one who died for our sins, but who rose from the dead, having won the victory over sin and death. Any focus on the death of Christ always takes place from the perspective of the resurrection. The risen Lord calls his people to remember him as the one who gave his life for them. But this remembrance is more than a recollection. This remembering is more than a reminder that Jesus gave his life for us. Part of the symbolism of the Lord's Supper is that Jesus is present in the celebration of the Lord's Supper and that he actually gives the bread and the wine but also what they symbolize to us. 
There's a strange language that has caused so much controversy in the history of the church. This is my body, which is for you. The cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. I don't want to get into that controversy, but what the controversy does indicate is that Jesus is saying that, that, that there is something very profound in what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying more than the bread and the wine are symbols of his broken body and his shed blood. There is a profound way in which he is present in them. The Reformed way of saying that is that Jesus is spiritually present in the bread and the wine so that when we receive them by faith, we receive him in a real way. When we receive the bread and the wine by faith, we receive what they represent. And this, there's some background from the Old Testament that helps us to understand that. I'm thinking about the Passover and some of the language that is used to describe its significance for the generations that came long after the Passover was celebrated. The Passover feast was a memorial of the night that God rescued his people from Egypt. On that night, God sent, God went through the whole of the land of Egypt through one of his angels to kill the firstborn son of every family. And God told the people of Israel to to kill a lamb and to paint the doorposts and the lintel of their homes And when the angel saw that blood, he would pass over that home and the firstborn would not be killed. That night was the turning point and Pharaoh let the people of Israel go and God told Moses, teach the people to hold a Passover celebration every year from then on through all the generations. It would be a memorial. But it's interesting that this is a very special kind of memorial. Its significance is much deeper than simply remember. Remembering, it included the idea that of each generation actually participating in the original Passover as if they had been there. Significant that in the instructions recorded for the Passover Given in Numbers 9, Moses says that a person who did not keep the Passover would be cut off from the people. In that passage, uh, Moses is dealing with a very specific situation of someone who who couldn't participate in the Passover for legitimate reasons because they were unclean, having touched the dead body, or because they were away on a journey. In that passage, there, Roman, or Numbers 9, It gives another date after the original date so that people who could not celebrate at the original time could celebrate later. And thus Moses says in Numbers 9.13, but if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. Chose that remembrance, the remembrance idea is more than just keeping the idea fresh in people's mind. They were participating 
in what the original Passover had accomplished. They were expecting expressing faith in God's provision for sin in the Passover sacrifice. They were being protected from the judgment of God against sin by participating in that ordinance. Here's how the idea is expressed by Ian Duguid in an article called Christ Our Passover. He writes, each time the Passover was celebrated, the participants joined together in a sacred meal before the Lord was through the death of the In it, through the death of the sacrificial lamb, the participants experienced renewed fellowship with God who protected them from his own judgment curse that fell on their enemies and promised them a glorious inheritance. Now this idea is carried over into the Lord's Supper. Jesus commanded his people to keep the Lord's Supper in remembrance of him. And when Jesus says that the bread is his body and the cup is the new covenant in his blood. The idea is that by receiving the bread and the wine by faith, they were participating in what Jesus' broken body and shed blood had accomplished. There's more than just remembering going on when we participate in the Lord's Supper. We certainly remember But by that remembrance, we participate by faith in the saving benefits that Jesus obtained for us through his sacrificial death. I want to spend a little more time on this idea. It's a little difficult to understand and to appreciate. The the biblical idea of memorial is that we see ourselves participating in the event that we remember. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is addressing the people of Israel just before they enter the promised land. Only three people of all Israel at that point had literally been involved in the events of the Exodus. That's Moses and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb. The rest of that, the original generation, uh, had died off in the, 30, in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But listen to how Moses addresses the generation which had not yet been born at the time of the Exodus. Deuteronomy 15, 15, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. And Deuteronomy 16, 3, in connection with the Passover, that all the days of your life you, you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. There's an ancient quote, an ancient Jewish quote from a a Passover liturgy that says, each man is obligated to see himself as if he came out of Egypt. So the remembering associated with the Passover, it's not simply a recollection of a past historical event. The ancient Israelites were to see themselves as participating in that event Because the past event had such profound implications for them in the present, God instructed them in the Passover to see themselves as actually participating in the original Exodus. And it's in the light of this way of thinking about the Passover that Jesus, in instituting the Lord's Supper, in connection with the Passover, 
he instructed his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. And that that instruction is addressed to us is clear from the fact that Jesus instructs the disciples to continue celebrating the Lord's Supper until his return. Remembering. The remembering associated with the celebration of the Lord's Supper is seeing ourselves as participating in the Lord's death and resurrection, which is the ultimate fulfillment of the Exodus, where we are delivered from the slavery of sin and Satan. And this idea fits very well with, the, with what we've been studying about union with Christ in our studies in the letter to the Colossians. We've been thinking about the biblical idea. We've heard it a number of times that we have died with Christ, that we have been raised with Christ. We are united to him in his death. We are united to him in his resurrection. We were in him when he died. We were in him when he rose from the dead. By celebrating the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Jesus, we are to think of ourselves as participating then in Jesus' death and resurrection, just as the ancient Israelites were to think of themselves as participating in the original Exodus. This is significantly different than simply recalling and meditating on Jesus' death and resurrection. The remembering of the Lord's Supper is so much more profound than simply to bring something to our minds that happened long ago. We see ourselves as participating in Jesus' death and resurrection. We are there. We are involved. As one author has put it in connection with, with Israel's celebration of the, Lord's, uh, of the Passover, rather, they inserted themselves into the public history of Yahweh's saving action on behalf of his people. So by telling us to eat and drink in remembrance of him, Jesus is telling us to insert ourselves into his saving action on behalf of his people. When Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you, and this cup is the new covenant in my blood, and then tells them to eat and drink in remembrance of him, he's telling us to remember that we participated with him in his death and resurrection. We are receiving him by faith as the one who died and who rose from the dead. And so we are united to him in his death and resurrection. We see this idea expressed in 1 Corinthians ten sixteen, where Paul writes, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ. The effect of this teaching about the Lord's Supper as a memorial is to draw us much closer to, to Christ in his death and resurrection than simply if we just remember Jesus dying for us. We are authorized to see ourselves as participants in dying with Christ and in rising with Christ. We are authorized and even commanded by Jesus to place ourselves in the action of Jesus dying for our salvation and rising from the dead. And all of that is to impress upon our minds that Jesus' death and resurrection are not just events that happened long ago. 
that are just kind of out there, but they are events that we participated in. Like the ancient Israelites with respect to the Exodus, we are to see ourselves as there, united to Christ, as he died for us and rose from the dead. And the purpose of all this is to assure us of our involvement in what Jesus accomplished for us. We are to think of ourselves as participating in that great event, just as the Israelites in later generations, when they celebrated the Passover, were to think of themselves as having participated in the Exodus. It's easy for us to think of ourselves as somehow isolated, separated from the death and the resurrection of Christ. It's easy for us to think of ourselves as separated from God because of our sins. And the memorial aspect of the Lord's Supper is to remind us as believers in Jesus of our profound connection to Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. And what this does is to bring the relevance of Jesus' death and resurrection and our participation in those events into the present. The whole idea of remembering in the Bible has to do with how we think of ourselves in the present, in the light of the past. We are to see ourselves as participating in the death and resurrection of Christ in the past so that we will live in the present in the light of what has happened in the past. And so relevance, the relevance of the past is brought into the future. In his book called A Holy Meal, Gordon Smith writes, this act of remembrance is one, which in, is, is one in which the past shapes, informs, and penetrates the present. We live now in our work, in our relationships, indeed in every dimension of our lives as people as a people for whom everything is altered for good by the reality of Jesus, of Christ Jesus' death and resurrection, end quote. This is why the remembering is so profound and meaningful. It brings us into the past. It brings the past into the present. And we are authorized to see ourselves as united to Christ in his death and resurrection. And when we do that, that brings the significance of the death and resurrection in our present, into our present, to shape how we think about ourselves and how we think about our lives. The reason for remembering in this way is to cause what Jesus did for us in the past to shape our lives in the present. But in all of this, we are not to lose sight of the fact that Jesus is alive. We do not remember a dead martyr. We remember the one who died and who rose again and who is present with us in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. We do not remember someone who is dead and gone, but someone who is alive and present with his people and who says to us, this is my body, which is for you. This, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As we remember Jesus' death and resurrection, he is present with us by means of the Holy Spirit. He is present with us by means of his word. He is present with us spiritually in the bread and the wine. He is the host at the table 
And as we remember him, he meets with us in the present and he offers himself in the symbols of the bread and the wine. And so we interact with a living Savior as he offers himself to us. He offers and we receive his offering. He gives and we receive. We remember what he has done for us, that he is present with us to receive our thanksgiving and our praise. And all of this is to strengthen and to encourage us. Our relationship to Christ is made vivid and lively in the remembering that he is instituted for this very purpose. Remembering is an antidote to forgetting. We're prone to forgetting. And both the remembering and the forgetting are more than simply mental. They're about a relationship that is growing by remembering or a relationship that is fading by forgetting. Forgetting is drifting away. It's moving away from intimacy with Jesus. Remembering is about nurturing the relationship. It is about intimacy. It is about love and thanksgiving. And it's also significant that the memorial involves actions as well as words. The word of God, of course, is central in our salvation. It is central in our relationship with God. But it's significant that the Lord has given us sacraments that engage our senses besides our sense of hearing. We see, we touch, we taste, we smell. That has a purpose. We are are involved physically as well as mentally. Our other senses are engaged. But there are also actions. We take what is offered. We eat and we drink. We are engaged physically. Why is that? There's something about the ritual actions that help bring the reality of spiritual realities home to us. Hearing the message of Jesus' death and resurrection and his offer of salvation is the primary way that we receive the good news. And a huge part of our life with God is responding to the message heard with faith and repentance and obedience. But clearly Jesus saw the need for these symbolic actions as well to impress upon us more deeply the reality of the truth of Jesus giving himself for us and to us. And the seeing and the actions are intended to make the truths more vivid and concrete to us. One of the things about learning is that the more senses that are involved, the better. The more our bodies are involved, the deeper the impression. There's something about ritual actions and symbols that underscore the significance of an event. Sacraments reinforce the message of the gospel as tangible signs and seals of the promises of the gospel. The Lord's Supper, in the Lord's Supper, the Lord reinforces the truth that he gives himself to us as our Savior by giving us a visible and a tangible acting out 
of the gospel offer. And we are involved physically to reinforce the reality of the faith by which we receive him as our Savior. The sacraments are given because of the weakness of our faith. They're given because we need more than just the gospel in audible form. The fact that Jesus gave the sacraments teaches us that just hearing the word is not enough. Now that's not a note that we're used to hearing. Because we rightly put great emphasis on the absolute necessity of hearing and responding to the word of God for our salvation. The word of God is powerful. The word of God, blessed by the Spirit, changes our hearts. God renews us through the power of his word, blessed by the Spirit. Those are wonderful truths that we often celebrate, and yet in his infinite wisdom, Christ gave us baptism and the Lord's Supper He didn't make them optional. They're not an extra for those who are more drawn to symbols and and rituals. Since Jesus instituted them and requires that they be practiced, we must conclude that they are necessary for our spiritual well-being. It's necessary for our spiritual well-being that we remember Jesus' death, not just by thinking about it, but by taking part in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, where we see the broken bread given to us, where we see the cup with juice or wine given to us, where we receive the bread and the wine and we eat and we drink. We do this because Jesus told us to do it. And we understand that its purpose is to help us in our walk with Jesus. The Bible doesn't spell out exactly how this helps us. But we can figure it out by reflecting on the words and the actions of the Lord's Supper. There can be no question that Jesus wants to assure us of the fact that he died for us and that he offered himself to us as the one who died for us. His words make that very clear. This is my body, which is for you. Then this cup, which I'm giving to you, is the new covenant in my blood. And then there are actions, the symbols of his broken body and blood are given and they are received and they are ingested in Jesus and we together, we act out the gospel at Jesus' insistence. And it's as if he is saying, I have told you in words, now let me show you in actions along with my words. That's intended to be beneficial. It's intended to give us greater assurance that Jesus really does give himself to us as the one who died and rose again. The actions, along with the words, make an invisible spiritual transaction visible and tangible. So make the spiritual realities more real to our minds and hearts so that we're less likely to doubt that Jesus really does give himself to us. And the purpose is to give us greater confidence and assurance of the reality of what is being signified. There's significance in the actions. 
The actions in the celebration of the Lord's Supper involve both giving and receiving. The the Lord's Supper is not just about giving. The meaning requires receiving. The symbols of Jesus' broken body and shed blood are given to us, but we must receive them. We must take, we must eat, we must drink. And that too is intended to be beneficial for us. We express our faith physically. We express our faith publicly. We express our faith together with others. These actions reinforce our faith. They are a renewal of our reception of the gospel offer. They are a renewal of our public confession of faith. They are a renewal of our identification with this congregation as those who are united to one another by means of our common union with Jesus Christ. The actions make it all more vivid and real and concrete. The actions together with the word reinforce the reality of our faith of our confession, and of our connectedness as members of the same body of Christ. So let's appreciate what Jesus has given to us in the Lord's Supper. Let's remember Jesus with a deep sense of seeing ourselves united to Christ in his sufferings and death and resurrection. We don't just remember some event of a long time ago. We remember the saving acts of Jesus as those who participated in them. We are there. We are very much involved because we were in Christ when he died and when he rose again. Let's think of what that means for us in the present as Jesus offers to us the symbols. That point to his broken body and shed blood. Let us ponder the actions and how they reinforce the words and make them physical. Let us ponder our actions and how our actions make physical our faith and our confession and our connectedness to this body. How wonderful to think of these things. Jesus has given us this ritual meal for our benefit to help us in our struggles, to make the gospel concrete and tangible that we may be more certain of his love and our acceptance with God. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for giving us this, this holy supper. We thank you that, like everything else about you, it's very simple and yet very profound that we can always grow in our knowledge and appreciation of who you are, but also of all that you have done for us. Thank you for the insights that we could review this morning from your word. And we pray that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, that, that you would help us to enter into that celebration by faith, spiritually, with great awareness and focus, and that in the actions, in the symbols, we may, by the power of the Holy Spirit and our faith, receive what is symbolized. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.